Hi, and welcome to episode 10 of Sentience All That Matters. Yes, we've made it into double figures. And they haven't shown me the door yet. Must be doing something right. Okay, so Sentience All That Matters, the show where we talk about everything vegan, veganism, vegan activists, becoming vegan, understanding what the ethical stance is of a vegan and your opportunity to open your mind and enlighten yourself on a vegan world. This week, we're going to touch base on mental health in activism and why it's important you're engaging mindfulness and having a balanced activism life. We're also going to discuss the true meaning of non-violent communication and non-violent direct action and why they are both so important whilst outreaching our vegan message to people. We'll have our usual animal rights hero to discuss, highlighting the amazing efforts of another person or group in the animal rights movement. And we're also going to discuss my top five personal favourite things about being a vegan activist. So first, the usual bit of housekeeping. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, you can join our Facebook group, Sentience All That Matters. You can go onto TikTok and see our videos of our activism and animal welfare acts on activist at 269 you can visit our website sentienceatm.earth and you can go onto our youtube channel sentience all that matters and on there you will see some of our street outreach and a documentary on our recent pig rescue our contact for any queries or item requests is sentienceatm at gmail.com
five years is a long time And the times change But I think that you'll find People are basically the same Okay, so let's dive right into our first item, mental health amongst vegan activists. So why would vegan activists have issues with their mental health? Well, vegans and vegan activists actually suffer from something called dystopia. Now dystopia basically means utopia gone wrong. And what I mean by that is that when vegans and vegan activists understand what is happening to sentient beings all over the world, it is an enormous weight to carry around with you. Secondarily to that, we're walking around in a society that sees the torture, rape and murder of innocent, naive, sentient beings as perfectly normal and natural and part of their lives part of their children's lives and they are happy to walk down the aisle of a supermarket picking up cellophane coated body pieces that used to be somebody activists have the added weight of watching hours and hours of footage secretly filmed in slaughterhouses as well as the responsibility to speak up for the animals to the general public and obviously 
what goes in hand in hand with that is the Bacon Bro crew trolling you to death whilst you're trying to inform and engage with them. From my own personal experience, I've had to edit 50 plus hours of this kind of footage in preparation for videos and street outreach. And I can tell you, there's not a single day goes by that I don't get flashbacks in my head of those poor animals being put through that horrendous life-ending torture. And these emotions can sneak up on you at any given moment, standing in a supermarket queue waiting to pay for your food, standing at a bus stop, walking down the street, or driving somewhere in your car. As an activist, these images and the fact that every single second, hundreds of thousands of somebodies are being dispatched, leaves you with a very heavy load to carry. And if all of that wasn't enough, there's actually people in the very movement trying to save the animals, going out of their way to cause stress, arguments and disharmony within the group because they want to dictate the way other activists advocate for the animals. This action in itself is worse than having to deal with the bacon trolls. So how do we counter these emotions and feelings? How do we keep ourselves mentally healthy to carry on advocating as we must? How do we stop the sheer volume of grief from burying us alive? Well, thankfully, vegans and vegan activists have an arsenal of tools at hand to help themselves get through this process and come out the other side. The most important of which is your tribe. And as we discussed in a previous show, your tribe is the group of activists that you bond with the best. The people that think and act exactly as you do your activist brothers and sisters. These people are there as your primary support network. At some point, everybody in that tribe will have been through the same thing as you and they are there to support and shield you. The second tool we have is to adapt what we are doing if spending hours producing videos and footage is pushing you over the edge you need to move your activism onto another area there's plenty of things we can be doing and still advocate for the animals we do not need to continue to focus on the areas that are causing us mental harm. There's nothing wrong with a short break from certain activities to allow us to re-energize and revitalize and come back stronger. 
you may even discover new sectors of activism you had never considered previously. Another sector of activism that often creates poor mental health is the social media side. Again, constantly having to post footage and photographs and deal with trolls can be very stressful and taking a break from social media is always advisable when you're looking to de-stress. And finally, for me personally, the biggest and best way for me to de-stress from activism is to visit a sanctuary. To be amongst the animals, especially animals that wouldn't exist today had their fate been allowed to continue, is so inspiring and so emotionally calming. The restorative power of being at a sanctuary must never be underestimated. If a slaughterhouse is the epitome of dystopia, then a sanctuary is the epitome of utopia. I know all too well personally the effects of burnout on my own activism and I now actively seek the right people to be around, the right activism to advocate in the way I see fit and I surround myself with kindness and compassion and force negativity away at every possible opportunity. Stay safe and well in your activism because the animals need you to be.
If you are finding yourself suffering from burnout or stress in your activism, please feel free to reach out and I will do the best I can to help you come out the other side. So let's move on to our second item this week, nonviolent communication and nonviolent direct action. So these are principles engaged by the amazing group Animal Rebellion and they are core values by which all of their activists carry out their actions and sticking to these principles is why this group is so amazingly effective in their work. So what do we mean by non-violent communication and non-violent direct action? So non-violent communication is communicating with somebody with nothing but love and kindness. When communicating in this way, you cannot show any type of aggression or negativity. And this helps the discussion to remain a calm, intelligent one instead of escalating into an all-out argument. With regard to non-violent direct action, this engages non-violence and non-aggression when carrying out disruptions such as the dairy blockades or motorway blockades, which is why you see on the news when protesters are taken out of the road, they simply allow their bodies to go floppy and allow themselves to be dragged out of the way without fighting people off or ending up in a brawl in the streets. So what's the point of this type of activism and this type of action? Well, the principle is there to ensure that the situation is a pacifying one and not raising stress levels and aggression in people. It's always far easier to communicate with somebody when you're having an intellectual conversation than a shouting match or getting physically aggressive. This is why if you were to join Animal Rebellion, you would not be allowed on any of their activities until you have completed a non-violent communication course and a non-violent direct action workshop. So how do they know this works and where did this idea come from? Well, the Greensboro sit-in was a civil rights protest that started in 1960 when young African-American students staged a sit-in at a segregated Woolworths lunch counter in Greensboro, North Carolina. They refused to leave after being denied service. The sit-in movement soon spread to college towns throughout the South. Though many of the protesters were arrested for trespassing, disorderly conduct or disturbing the peace, their actions made an intermediate and lasting impact. The trumped-up charges to remove them from the establishment did not stick and the sit-ins continued and spread. The protesters suffered from physical abuse and beatings and were forcefully dragged from the establishment only to return and take their seats again at the lunch counter. Sticking to the principle of non-violent communication and non-violent direct action, 
they soon found themselves having to be taken seriously and listened to. These protesters were influenced by the non-violent techniques practiced by Gandhi, as well as the freedom rides organized by the Congress for Racial Equality. Once the media got hold of the protests, the sit-ins spread nationwide. By the 5th of February, some 300 students had joined the protest at Woolworths, paralyzing the lunch counter and other local businesses. Heavy television coverage of the Greensboro sit-ins sparked a sit-in movement that quickly spread to college towns throughout the South and into the North. Black and white people joined in various forms of peaceful protest against segregation in libraries, beaches, hotels, and other establishments. To this day, the former Woolworths in Greensboro now houses the International Civil Rights Center and Museum. This museum features a restored version of the lunch counter where the Greensboro sit-ins took place. The determination of these students and the use of non-violent tactics led to the eventual removal of segregation. These principles are such powerful tools and it's quite amazing that in my first year of activism I never came across them and it wasn't until joining and taking part in animal rebellion activities I realised this was clearly the way forward when advocating and joining the disruptions. With the political landscape the way it is today in this world, disruptions are the only effective way to get the message across and it must be done in a non-violent manner. Just one look at you 
So on to this week's Animal Rights Hero and today I am nominating the wonderful Ricky Gervais. So as we said before, celebrities have a massive platform to get our message across and Ricky does this in spades. Ricky announced his veganism on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, quashing any rumours that he was simply vegetarian. He has supported campaigns for the end of the fur trade. He's been outspoken against animal testing, including voicing a test rabbit in the animated video Save Ralph, produced by the Humane Society. He's also been outspoken about trophy hunting and has campaigned hard to end bear bile farms, including paying for the rescue of 30 bears. Rick has also spoken out against bullfighting and has even made multiple colourful remarks describing bullfighters. As the dog-loving character Tony Johnson in the smash hit series Afterlife, which he wrote, produced and directed, Perhaps he decided to become vegan, inspired by the vegan actor Peter Egan, who plays a small role in the Afterlife series. 
Peter himself, as we all know, a very outspoken vegan celebrity. Gervais's Twitter page has 14.5 million followers who often read his unambiguous comments on multiple animal rights atrocities. So for all your work in saving and rescuing innocent animals and being such an outspoken advocate and putting your money where your mouth is, Ricky Gervais, you are this week's animal rights hero. Okay, so before we get into my top five likes about being vegan, we're going to just touch base on one quick question that came up at a recent outreach event. So discussing veganism with somebody, they mentioned they don't understand why vegans want to have sausages and burgers and duck pieces and chicken pieces that are plant-based. Why don't we just have completely different food ranges and completely different flavors? So this is actually a really good question and a very genuine question and the person was asking for a genuine reason, wasn't trying to troll me. They were simply intrigued as to why we wanted to replicate the shapes, flavors and textures of meat-based products. And actually the answer is extremely simple and not complicated at all. A lot of vegans did actually like the taste of these products and do miss them from their dinner plates. What vegans can't stand is where those products themselves came from and who they came from. So a vegan may well have loved the taste of a burger, but the fact that it came by somebody else having to be horrendously tortured murdered and chopped up into tiny pieces to have that burger meant that the taste sensation was no longer worth more than the animal's life. So the reason a lot of the plant-based companies go out of their way to produce items that replicate the taste sensation, texture and flavour of the animal-based products is that some people still require that in their foods and one manufacturer for example has invested millions in producing a lab-grown steak this acts exactly as the meat equivalent would during the cooking process and whilst being eaten now for me I don't need to replicate these flavors as I never had a great relationship with food prior to being vegan. And the last thing that I actually would want to do is to eat a product that tasted the same as an animal-based. That is my personal preference. There's lots of different people with lots of different flavor and texture preferences. So to sum up, the simple answer is not all vegans hated the flavour or the texture, they simply hated the source of the food product itself. 
Hopefully that has answered that little mystery for you. And when we come back, we'll get straight into my top five things about being vegan.
me right back to Donnie Darko, one of my favourite films of all time. If you've never seen it, you are seriously missing out. Anywho, let's get right into my top five reasons or top five likes about being vegan. Well, it's no surprise the number one reason for being vegan for me is for the animals. Simply the understanding what I was paying into whilst consuming animal products was something that I just could not ignore and the fact that I'm now not only saving around 200 animals lives a year by being vegan I'm saving many more on top by advocating and being an activist and in turn what this has brought about within me is a much closer relationship with animals seeing them as somebody and not something looking into their eyes seeing their personalities and their characteristics and exploring how different animals interact is somewhat life-changing and has brought a value to my life that was completely missing before my veganism it is truly wonderful that we share this planet with these beautiful sentient beings and they put nothing but happiness into my life. It has almost certainly changed my perspective and behaviour with the companion animals living with me in my own home and helped me develop a far better relationship with them. My second favourite thing about being vegan is my health. As I came into my 50s, my health wasn't great. I had various dietary issues, lack of energy, brain fog, the usual aches and pains as we move on in the latter years of our lives. Moving to a whole foods, plant-based food system has not only revitalized my tired old body it has given me clarity of mind and the ability to take on challenges I never would have thought possible in my meat eating years one of my challenges was to achieve a Spartan trifecta of which I never managed I simply didn't have the strength or energy to get myself up to the level of fitness to complete this marathon weekend cross-country 
since turning vegan. I've not only completed one, but two trifecta weekends. And I have three further trifecta weekends booked for 2023. I've also run half marathons and regularly run up to 15 miles a week. I also entertain various challenges through the year, such as a month of 100 push-ups a day, and even achieved 6,000 push-ups last year in one month as a charity challenge for shelter. Prior to being vegan, I had a pretty terrible relationship with foods, and if I could have just taken a pill for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I would have. Since turning vegan, I can consider myself a foodie and now actively seek out new foods and different flavors, giving me an excellent relationship with food to this day. My experiences with the transition to a whole food plant-based diet is also excellent for street outreach and many people I speak to are having similar issues and this is a key tool for helping people transition to veganism. I recently completed a 12-week body transformation with the amazing Cheryl Morris from Plant Weights Personal Training and put on just under a kilo of muscle mass, destroying the myth that vegans are weak, feeble and lack protein. Never could I have dreamed that my body would be in such peak condition in my 50s and it's all completely down to being vegan. Number three on my list would be the planet because without an environment we don't have anywhere to live and neither do the animals. Since joining Just Stop Oil and deep diving into the information as to what we are doing to the planet, not only with the animal agriculture industry, but with the commercialist lifestyles that we all seem to live. Working towards saving the planet seems to be an obvious win-win for everybody. Veganism has certainly opened my eyes to just how big the battle is that we have. We have a limited number of years to turn back the damage and knowing that I'm living my life in the most sustainable way that I possibly can for the planet is extremely enriching. The mindfulness that comes along with being considerate for our environment is extremely refreshing and helps deal with the little stresses life can throw at me. Since turning vegan, I've embraced nature and we actively seek out beautiful natural locations to take our companion animals for their walks. And we take every opportunity we can to remove ourselves from city life and love nothing more than the calm of the woodlands. Prior to going vegan, I would have hated the prospect of a four hour hike through a French forest. Now, 
I can't wait to be back there again. The fourth thing I love about being vegan is people. Since being vegan, I have met some wonderful, wonderful people. Multiple different types of personalities, multiple different types of activists, people with amazing backgrounds and some wonderful stories. With the change of lifestyle came a change in my social network. Simply by being an activist and by being a vegan, I obviously found myself hanging around different types of people and where in my previous life most personal connections were through business, these new connections were with people that were passionate about the same things as me. And with no money connection, holding relationships together, true and honest friendships were quickly formed. I'm proud to say I have some of the most beautiful souls I can call friends in my life and they help me on a daily basis to become the best person I can be. When we come back, I'll tell you the fifth thing I love about being vegan.
Welcome back. Before the break, we listed four of the top things I love about being vegan. And now on to the fifth and final thing on this short list of many reasons I love being vegan. And that is the new person that I've become. Prior to being vegan, my life was pretty mundane. I was a shallow businessman walking around in a three-piece suit driving a gas-guzzling car, solely focused on running a business, making money, and making my way in this consumerist world. Every year was focused on more money, a new phone, a new car, bigger house, the usual Ferris wheel that we all seem to be so easily trapped on. I didn't have any time for empathy or understanding the world I was living in and I certainly had very little time to consider the planet we lived on, let alone animal welfare or my own personal health. Becoming vegan was truly an awakening for me and I will always thank my daughter for the rest of my life for bringing veganism into the family home. Aside from the obvious ethics that veganism brought into my life, it allowed me to see what was actually important, the people around me, family and friends, and living a more meaningful life and contributing to society instead of just taking from it all the time. I'd previously read articles on people leaving the corporate life for a more natural, holistic lifestyle and always thought they were crazy. Well, in actual fact, it turned out to be an epiphany and something I'm glad I embraced. We've since moved on from business, moved out of our large family home and now live a minimalist lifestyle also. We buy secondhand wherever we can and make everything we have last as long as possible and paying it forward is now part of our life ethos it's quite poetic that veganism is about saving others yet it has obviously saved us also i'm quite proud of the changes i've made and the person i am today and look back with an awkward embarrassment to the person that I used to be. And on that lentil bombshell, we are out of time again. Thank you ever so much for listening all the way through. I hope I've inspired you to make some changes and helped you see how veganism is a win-win for us all. Until next week. This one's just for you.